0: hello and welcome to a new episode of humanizing the workplace where we will be discussing all things workplace culture along the way we will be bringing insights tools and strategies from thought leaders in the business leadership and hr space i'm your host rowan wallace hill founder of human factor your specialist in workplace cultural development And welcome to another episode of Humanizing the Workplace. I'm Rowan Wallace-Hill, your host. and I'm really excited today to have um, a member of a, an amazing company who is an entrepreneur in his own right. But just to, to set the scene for everybody, last, last episode we spoke to Tamara Le, who is um, an incredible business owner and very successful businesswoman. Listen to episode three just to get up to speed on that. And we introduced this idea of going under the hood, looking under the hood, the idea being, you know, business owners can come onto our shows and, and talk about this great stuff around culture, but what we really want to know is how is that permeating through the business and how are we seeing that evolving throughout all different layers of, of the business and different areas of the business. So Caleb Roberts, who I have on today, is a member of the Sale team, Um he, Pretty much does everything around the back background operations, tech support, client liaison. He really is one of these amazing roles. He does one of these roles that does touch many different aspects of the business, and so he has experienced the culture within Bosel which we heard about on the last episode. And we're going to talk to him about how it how it is for him and what I want to to get everyone to see is it's really possible to bring culture through the business and take everyone on board and take everyone on the journey when it comes to workplace culture. And, and Caleb is actually uh, an entrepreneur in his own right as well. He's a father of, of two and um, he, he's doing some really amazing things in the world, especially with COVID. He actually created a business very quickly, which helped other businesses get online online when their when shops shut, when their offices closed down, he was very quick to respond in that space as well. So I'm really excited to see his um get his take on workplace culture and also the the I guess the evolution of the workplace that we're seeing at the moment. So we'll dive into that as well. But yeah, thank you very much for being on and welcome
1: Caleb. Thank you, sir. It's my pleasure.
0: Yeah, so good. And and like I said, this concept of going you know looking under the hood is is really exciting for me because um, you know, as we talked just before we came on online, this idea that sometimes we walk into organizations, we see these amazing values on the wall and the, statement, the mission statement and the vision, and then you get into the business and you seem to, to lose touch with all that. There's, you can't feel it. You can't see it. Um, and what I would love to do today is understand how you've experienced culture within sale and, um, you know, how it's permeated through and your experience of that. So thank you so much for being here.
1: This is going to be a great one. Um, The girls and the team over at Bussell have done some really, really cool stuff, so I'm looking forward to diving into it with you.
0: Nice. Awesome. But I always start the podcast just to understand a little bit more about you right now with the question, what are you most excited about at the moment?
1: It's a really good question. And I'm really excited about how the whole world seems to have gone through this transition phase of covid We've been forced to accelerate past our comfort zones in this almost exponential growth curve of stepping into fear, stepping into what it means to be working from home, which makes Mm. this, as you say, a human element to business. And just seeing all of it start to descend and come into place. It's like somebody's really muddied the waters, really thrown it up in the air. And now everything's slowly, I, I say it's calming down. It's not really calming down, but we're becoming accustomed to it and learning to see and perceive the patterns I'm really looking forward to those patterns and those opportunities that come within that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love the idea of I do feel like it's like this melting pot. Everyone's been thrown in this this new normal and we're all just sort of figuring out where we where we can play and, and how it looks. Uh, yeah, I love it. I'm 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 you on that one. I I feel it myself. It's really cool. Yeah. With all the fear and trepidation, there's also a lot of excitement and and opportunity. And I think that's a really cool place to be.
1: Absolutely. I think that as much as there is fear and uncertainty, there's the equal opportunity to really step into that. And Mm -hmm. they exist in a balance. So knowing that you're really uncomfortable or your business is really in that sort of struggle point, you can pivot and play with that in the exact opposite direction. And create something that really touches people. It's just fantastic. I love that. I nerd out over that stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> awesome. And another question I'd like to ask is, is what do you think about when you hear the term humanizing
1: the workplace? So I'm going to be clumsy with this. And when I think of humanizing the workspace, I think of there's this movie called The Little Prince. And in it, there's a scene of bureaucracy and of the corporate world, and everybody has matching suits, gray building, gray car, gray home. They all march in the same order. They move to the same drum. But nobody's really alive. It's almost like the Borg from Star Trek, right? That everybody's efficient, everybody's measured in their efficiencies, and they do really great work, except for that nobody's passionate, nobody's laughing, nobody's smiling, Mm -hmm. you know. People are silently banging their head against the desk and the idea of humanizing the workspace, building a space. Like I think of a space that I can just be my dorky nerdy self where mm. I can show up in all the bright colors that I am and really connect with people that through like-minded passions. And I think that's really, really special. So I get excited. I get yeah. really excited by that.
0: I hear you, Me too. And I love the idea about this gray, this dull down version um, that you described. And I, I do feel like it's, we all tend to dull ourselves down when we go to work to, to fit a certain stereotype. And, and I like to say when we put the mask on to go to work. Um, and yet really doesn't doesn't allow us to show up as our true selves. And this, um, yeah, the gap between the the dulled version, our real version, I believe, is, is costing us uh, you know, as, as organizations in terms of creativity, in terms of productivity and efficiency, all these things that we 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 can gain by simply creating that environment where people can show up as their two selves. Yeah, uh, I love degree. that. I love that analogy. It's beautiful. So so let's talk about Beaux sale because Bose is this incredible organization that we heard about in the last episode. And yeah, you know, it really really is amazing. This ethical entrepreneurship, um, you know supporting as you know, big support of, of women in in business, but also this sort of idea of the ethical business to help people plan it. What has been your, your experience or what do you love most about the, I guess, the culture within the Buesale organization?
1: I think my favorite thing is that within cell, both in, inside of the company itself. So inside of our little team and inside of the extended team of all of the, what we call wellness or basically our clients that we work with. Mm-hmm. There is room for people to frankly cry to come in when they're heartbroken or upset or have had a really really bad day or series of days or weeks and they can open up what's going on for them they can pull open their chest cavity and say this is my heart this is what i feel this is what sucks this is what i'm struggling with and then through doing that we as a collective can come around them and pick them up and we've had several people who've suffered from depression come through that and to be able to give them that safe space to rebuild they come back so much stronger than if you just look down on them and say no you can't do that here and that's by far my favorite thing is it's we judge a company in a society by how it treats its weakest or not weakest um its most vulnerable people mm-hmm. and so i'm really proud and i really love that we as a company can come together around the people who win they're at their most vulnerable and not say stay home don't don't come to work we can say hey it's okay, how can we support you in this moment? And then put a plan in place to get them back on track to reach those goals, that, those milestones they wanna hit. It's embracing the person as a whole, not just as that mask, as you said. And that's by far my favorite thing.
0: Oh, wow, there's so much in this. And this is like, this is my jam, I love it. So <laughs> one, one, one place I'd like to go here, because I think it's so important for businesses and organizations at the moment, is this idea of mental health. So you, you, you tapped on this idea of look, People have, have suffered from depression and we've been able to, you know, they've been able to feel safe enough to open up about it to start with. But then also for us all to to gather around it and, and support them through it, whatever that looks like for them. Um, and the, the the one thing I want to to really touch on here, because I think it's so key, is that you say that they then bounce back even stronger. Mm mm-hmm. Can you just talk to me about your experience of that? Because I think this is so crucial for businesses who struggle with this idea of mental health and they think that you know if people have a mental health problem, then there's some, they're somehow flawed and they can't do their job and all this stuff. Um, there's a lot of stigma around it, and I really want to talk to it because I think it, it deserves to be talked to you. Mm-hmm. What has been your experience there where yeah, you've, you've seen someone suffering from a mental illness, you've supported them through, let's with additional help, I'm sure, and they bounced back stronger. Can you tell me about that?
1: It was the moment when she realized, you know, she she knew that she had depression and she was working through it and she had her coping strategies. But she turned one day and we were on a Zoom call and she said, Caleb, I think I just don't like the way people talk to me anymore. That she realized she couldn't open up to her best friends, she could talk to her husband about the things that were most important to her about her emotions and what was going on. And so she was repressing all of these emotions and the feelings within. So because she was repressing that, that's what was causing her depression and anxiety and everything that goes through that. And so when she realized she could, she then said, well, I think I need a divorce. And that was her breakthrough moment of, oh, my goodness, something needs to change. And then she broke completely in that she was an emotional mess, which I can completely, completely understand. And then when she built back, she, was, she took the action steps. Okay, I know I need to get a divorce. What's my very next step? And for her, it was to begin looking for an apartment. And the confidence boost that came with, okay, I've now gone and found myself a new apartment. I've now sorted out my finances. These almost micro steps, each of them doubled her confidence each time. And so by the time she said, okay, I'm ready to leave her confidence was just through the roof that she had this, she had this action plan that she was working through. So she had the logic side of it and she had the confidence and the trail of the confidence of it. um, Building as she successfully ticked off those boxes. And so now this woman is a powerhouse when it comes to her yoga studio and the things that she does there, because she's made the conscious decision that I'm not going to let my emotions stop me. I'm going to definitely feel this, but I'm going to work through this. And that was phenomenal. It was it was the moment of conscious choice is when she became strongest, when she chose that I'm not going to be a victim in this. I'm not going to be a victim of my mental health. I'm not going to be a victim of my surrounding network. I'm going to change this and take action. Uh, does that mm. answer your question? Yeah, to- it,
0: it does. What I'm, what I'm hearing in this, and this is what I think I'd like to, the message I'd like to, to get out of this, I mean, it's an incredible story, but the space in which she was able to come to that realization and the space in which she was able to gain support and clarity around this was in the workplace completely with, with her colleagues and i think that is amazing it says so much about the the culture at boshell but for me also the the power that the workplace has to 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 support people and like you say, help people move through things in their lives and, and so they can bounce back stronger. And I bet as, as a client, as an employee, she will be unbelievably grateful, committed, and determined to do what she can to support the, the organization because she in turn has been supported. Completely. Do you experience that?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. There was, um, I had a mentor a couple of years ago who gave me this amazing metaphor for relationships, and I now look at it in business in the same way. And in the relationships, what he said was that, a me- uh, I'll start with a woman. A woman is like the ocean, All right. So a client is like the ocean. Sometimes the client is wonderful and great to deal with, and everything is just beautiful. It's like sitting next to the ocean on the beach on a warm, sunny day. And sometimes the client is like a hurricane, and they're trying to kill you, and they want to smash you, and everything has gone to hell, and it's just out the door, and you don't know what's going on, and you don't understand, but you don't have to because you're just trying to float and stay alive. and keep the contractor keep engaging with this person and then all of a sudden everything's sunny again but our job is businesses and our, our my job is a father in a relationship to my for my children for my soon-to-be wife for my business for everything i do with is just to be a rock on that ocean shore just to keep showing up and as long as my self-worth is an attack as long as they're not being disrespectful you know there is a boundary but my job is just to keep showing up and to be there and to be as supportive as I can and whatever they're showing up for that day. And then by doing that through time, they learn that they can put their trust and their faith in you and then that trust and that faith. You can't buy that. That's not a something on a poster. That is so much more that is ingrained and heartfelt and below to the core. And that's, that's how I wanted to show up for her in that moment. And I think I did. I think everything did go. I think we did actually. And that's our continuing goal. That's what we want to be.
0: I love that. Yeah, I love that metaphor. And um, what again, there's so much gold in this. this <laughs> but but, but what, what I'm hearing there is what you – now you, I think you're talking as a leader. As a leader, you know, what your job is to work on yourself, right, to be the best version of you, to be that rock, Yeah. to show up consistently. Completely. Um, and then, you know, obviously you can be trusted, you can be – yeah, you, you you create that environment that people feel safe, right? People feel safe because they know you're there, you're consistent, you're. And and I think from a leadership perspective, because we do have a lot of um, listeners from this leadership space, mm. the objective is to focus on you. It's not to focus on anyone other than you. Absolutely. We sometimes think as a leader, it's all externally focused. We need to make sure they're doing that and they're okay, and they you know we need to make them trust me. No, no.
1: <laughs> you can't make them do anything at all. You, you can't make them do it. Anything. It comes down to exactly right. It's, you're looking within yourself and you need to be in your integrity Absolutely. and Absolutely. in that space so they can develop that relationship.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. So good. Focus on, yeah, self. And that's such a huge message. Um, so thank you for, for, for going there. And that that metaphor is awesome. No pleasure. But this is this a goal. Cool. So when you first sort of, I guess, got involved with Bosale, um, what was your experience when you joined? Because Tamara spoke about a few really cool things that she she's learned to do in terms of in, in onboarding induction type things. Did you have any really cool experiences there?
1: Oh yes. So I'd have to go my first six months with Busol, I would kind of liken it into a friendly hurricane where it was just every day. We were putting in massive days and we were building everything around us. We were building these induction processes. We were building the onboarding. We were creating the templates for the web pages and then putting this in the web pages live inside of days. And Tamara and Natalie did an amazing job because they've done this multiple times now. And so learning to see the patterns in the hundreds of people that we've dealt with and the hundreds, we're probably up to thousands now, phone calls that we've made of structuring that sales call, then the onboarding process and crafting it actually into a checklist and a landing page So a client comes onto this landing page and they can see exactly what they need to do. And they follow the bouncing ball and learning to make that process super, super simple and then test it and then make it simpler and then test it. And people get hung up on the weirdest things. They they really do. If, If there's one small crevice, the bouncing ball can get caught in somewhere and go 75 degrees in the opposite direction. It will. But working through that has been phenomenal. And my favorite my favorite thing in engaging with this is just the different types of people. The coolest experiences come from them and really understanding what their goals are, what they want to achieve and how they can fit into the program. And also knowing when they shouldn't come and take part of the program. Cause that's, there's a balancing act there.
0: So. Yeah. Tamara spoke about this. I think it's really important that she, um, it's, it's obviously trying to onboard entrepreneurs to get involved and, and all this stuff, but she's also very keen to make sure that they're the right fit culturally. So it's not about the amount of followers you have. It's not about, you know, the, the success in business you've had or any of that. It's, it's if they're uh, the right fit. So how, how do you determine yeah. that? Or what's, what, or do you have a criteria mm-hmm. there? Because it's really fascinating because it speaks to this idea of even if we're recruiting employees or, or onboarding, you know, clients, this idea of the right fit for the culture of the business.
1: That's a really great question. So before we onboard anybody now, I want to sit on Zoom with them. I want to see them face-to-face as much as I can. You know, mm-hmm. um, and granted, we're an international business, so sitting face-to-face can be challenging. Mm-hmm. And over Zoom seems to work. And mm-hmm. I just want to have a cup of tea with them, a conversation. I want to ask them about their family, their, what their lifestyle looks like, what's important to them. Do they go to the gym or do they do yoga? You know, is it something they don't care about health and fitness at all? Where do they sit in all of these different brackets? And by understanding that and they ask questions a lot around values and mm-hmm. try to get them to give me examples of that. And it's more of a how that conversation flows. If it's if I get the impression that somebody's being really overly professional, frankly, then I'll kind of question that and say, come on what's behind this facade? Why are you doing that? And then if they can't dive into that they're probably not going to be a good fit for us because fundamentally I believe and I think Bussa believes, that a business can only grow as much emotionally or financially as much as its owner will grow emotionally then mm. the two are hand in hand so if i can't have a difficult conversation over a cup of tea or coffee with somebody before we really know each other before the business is going through whatever challenges it's going to go through how are we supposed to support them when the storm really gets rough mm. so i'm very i don't have a specific checklist but that's my criteria before anybody gets in. We need to have that conversation and I want to see the authentic version of them. Perfect. And, yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that's, that's so good. And I think the reason you find it easy, and even though there isn't a checklist, there's no you know strict, there's no, what we can hear is criteria. What it is, is Basal seems to have a very clear idea of its values. So exactly what you just said, they can only grow as much as they can grow emotionally as a business. Yes. That is because i mean tamara spoke to that a lot as well and that's clearly a, a strong value that you guys hold so therefore when you have a conversation with a, an employee a prospective client whoever you know very clearly what that means and how you can identify it and that to me is, is a really uh, strong place to come from especially when you're onboarding it's really cool
1: it's funny that the um there have been times that we thought, oh, we'll just bring this person on because I'm not really sure. Like it, Surely it'll be fine. And we've lost people that way. Every Not every time it's happened, but no, every time it has happened. Every time we've lost somebody, it's because there was a values mismatch. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because mm-hmm. of the payments. It wasn't the finances behind it. It wasn't that the products weren't whatever. It was that our values somewhere in there weren't lined up appropriately. And so we've learned to be super, super strict. If there's even an inkling of a feeling, trust it, explore it, Let's see where this is. Let's ask some questions around it and then be really, really happy to say, no, I'm sorry. I don't think we're a good fit. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, we are fiercely protective of the culture within this all. And we've created this place where people can open up. They can do that because it would only take one person to come in and be judgmental and shut it all down emotionally Mm -hmm. for everybody to go stale. Yes. Um, It only takes one apple. So (laughs) we have to be really, really fierce on that. And, um,
0: Mm -hmm. We are, and, uh, yeah, and and it's so great cause, because you guys have the courage in that first conversation to call people on a behaviour that you know you're noticing because that sets the tone, you know. And, and I, I'm I'm thinking I'm, I'm what I'm always doing is comparing you know, <laughs> your your, bu- your business model is very different to a lot of you know, your standard businesses. But if you were to, to to compare that, which you can, to a an organisation which is cr- recruiting for a new employee, for for example. If this organization, and I want our listeners to really get this, if the organization is so clear about their values, that if they hear someone in an interview talking something about something that's not quite aligned or behaving in a way that's not aligned, they call them on it in the interview,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you can mm-hmm. very quickly understand if that person is a cultural fit.
1: Absolutely. And it's understanding exactly how they react to criticism or react, react to adversity. because any part of job, any job is going to have some times of severe adversity or challenges. The person may be going through their own personal trials and they're coming to work in a shitty mood. You need yeah. to see that side of them. It's really important.
0: Mm, and so, absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I always say interviews are like the first date, you know, everyone's on best behavior. Absolutely. And if, <laughs> if you see any warning signs then, then, you know, that's, that's a problem. Yeah, it's a problem. Yeah. So good. I love that. And, and I, we do a human factor. We do a lot of work on values, and not just so we can put them on the wall and they look pretty, but so you know, everybody in the organisation has has a hand in creating them and understands them and can live with them. Absolutely. Um, and we have a very clear process on how organisations can do that, because so I think it's so clear. And then this is where the values one where area where the values start to really return get a return on investment, because if you can get the right people in you know, the amount of money companies waste on, you know, employee <laughs> turnover,
1: yeah, insane.
0: client turnover, you know, if you can get the right people because you're so clear on your own values and you're so clear on what that means and how you can identify that in people, yeah, you know, the amount of oh, the money organizations can save is, is phenomenal.
1: Wait, and, the, and the things that they could achieve. So you save your money, but then the people who are like-minded and on the mission with you, because they believe to their core, it's the right mission. It's like that scene from um, The Wolf of Wall Street where Jordan, he's up mm-hmm. on stage giving that speech and mm-hmm. the entire room of 200 people is going nuts, Yeah, right? Imagine mm-hmm. what you could do with a t- room full of people like that besides try not to do government scams and stock fraud, yeah, but doing something that's positive also. for the world. <laughs> you know, really, really doing things that are a positive impact for your company, for the, their families, for the world as a whole, and how you make money just comes in when you do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Yeah, and that's that alignment. You know, When, when we're in alignment, uh, you, t- you could call it purpose, alignment, whatever you want to call it, but when the values that you hold dear are aligned to you know the thoughts, beliefs, actions of the people within the organization, magic happens, right, and you see it all over the place at the moment. And both – it's really interesting. I had a couple of amazing speakers on this podcast so far, and both have talked about this um, sort of shift that we're seeing in business – that is really, you know, business for good, you know, businesses that are really having an impact on people and planet in a positive way. And I think, you know, this is where we get to examine our values and see how can we create create good for the people on the planet um, whilst doing business, you know, being aligned to what we truly believe. So yeah, thank, thank you for bringing that up. Very cool. Um, I've got a question for you. So if you've obviously experienced a lot of businesses and you've, you've experienced obviously some really great culture by the sounds of it, what one piece of advice would you give to a CEO or, or a, an entrepreneur whose business is growing rapidly? He started that he or she is starting to get traction mm-hmm. and it's really happening for them. What piece of advice would you give that person um, around creating the right culture for the business?
1: I've been sitting on this question since I first read it and <laughs> the biggest thing I can think of is at first was I would say, go to your coffee room and spend time in your coffee room, listening and engaging. Mm. But then a really great manager I know, or very high mentor said, never do that because people are intimidated and they can't be themselves around you. And so I'd like to modify that to instead send your middle managers into the coffee rooms, into social settings with your workers, get them to not be a manager as such in that, but get them to be part of the team and on the ground floor so if you have an assembly line and you have your supervisors all standing above and their own little offices send them down walk through there listen to your staff the people who are on the tools and the people who are actually engaging with whether it's a website build or whether it's somebody who's looking at your analytics or somebody who's actually physically on a factory floor that person is going to know their job and their role and the details about it best and they're going to have some of the best insights so making the time to have a cup of coffee with them, to listen to them, to ask them questions about what's working, what's not, what can we do better? you know, What can we do to make work a better environment for you? Just asking some of those really pointed questions regularly, I think can make a massive difference as long as it's applied.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it
1: was Nissen in the 60s who, list, who basically went turned to all of its factory workers and said, you have a budget of $100 and if you can make a change that saves one-sixth of a second or was a point six of a second or more, you can do it. So whether it was lowering a shelf, whether it was putting mm-hmm. a bucket of screws from one spot to another, everybody went to town. And in four or five years, they turned the business around from nearly going bankrupt to being the Nissan that we know today. And I think that was a case of the CEOs listening and the executives listening really, really effectively. And I'd like to see more of that.
0: Mm. Yeah, I've heard that story. Um, I've, I come from a manufacturing and operations background myself, so yeah. very familiar with with all things shop floor. Um, and I agree, actually, I agree that, you know, I used to, as ops manager, go on the floor and, you know, I'd ask questions and people would yeah, probably be relatively honest, but still there'd be a level of, can't really say what I really think because mm. <laughs> he's the big boss. Um, so I think, yeah, having, having, processes and feedback loops that are sort of timely and and easy to use so the shop floor or the the people doing the the really value adding stuff can you know escalate and communicate improvements issues very quickly and it's and it's been able to it's being acted upon quickly as well completely um, and they have a, a level of ownership in that process that's where Nissan's example is was so powerful because they they gave the ownership of the the change and the you know, what do you want to change, basically, to the people who, who are doing the work, which is really cool. Um, yeah, awesome. That's just an amazing piece of advice. Yeah, I really like it. With the um, with your, your current, I guess, your role within the organization, what do you see as, I guess, something that you'd like to to bring in or do you see opportunities to, to further improve the workplace culture? It seems like you've got a great culture already, but are there anything that you've sort of – maybe these conversations have triggered or any ideas.
1: As we get a larger team and we're accumulating, we're scaling. I would really like to put in a daily practice of a helicopter walk for everyone, Mm. kick everybody off of zoom, kick everybody off of their desk um, and get them to actually go for a 20 minute, 30 minute walk, whether it's around the block, whatever it may be. Um, Because there's something about the physical movement rejigs everything in your brain. And doing that, I think we'll just create space where everybody kind of see things from multiple perspectives and mm-hmm. come back. And I'm happy for them to do it on work time as long as, you know, it's not my business. So I'd have to run a past Natalie in tomorrow, but the idea of people taking ownership of their physical and by extension, mental health mm-hmm. through that small action of breaking the day up, going and seeing things through a new perspective and then coming back and readdressing whatever they're working on. That's wow. something I'd like to see more and more of. Mm-hmm.
0: Beautiful. And, and it's, I love the synergy here because the, um my, my first guest i had one was prue chapman who's is, is an incredible business coach and mentor um and she spoke about an, an organization she was in and they had blockies they called them blockies nice. and it was a walk around the block right so it could either be a, i need a blocky just to go and clear my mind or i need to can, can we go for a blocky so we can have a conversation or maybe it's a difficult conversation or but it was this idea of movement plus a conversation or movement plus thought is, is, is I guess healthier or a better way to do it than just sitting at a desk so okay. love it awesome so oh, I'll be keen to, to hear how you go there I think that's a great idea and again embedding these ideas into into the culture of the and the fabric of the business is is it's not easy but it can be so beneficial completely it's done yeah cool so on this podcast we talk about obviously human connection is a big part of what we do so I always like to ask this question and it's it's i guess to encourage this idea of you know it's okay to share and it's okay to be human hmm. what is one of your biggest challenges right now as a human being
1: i think that's a really good question um my biggest one is that i have a 3 week old daughter she's just mm-hmm. was born a couple of weeks ago my partner had a c section so she's recovering from that and so i'm trying to find the blend of how can i support her because she can't lift it like even laundry i'm taking care of trying to take care of our daughter who's does not have a sleep routine yet but we're working on it and then still trying to fit in all of the business stuff whether it's managing my own businesses and the things that are going on there or working with Busol and juggling all of these balls and i'm finding that balance that blend i'm almost having to overcaffeinate with coffee to try to compensate <laughs> and it's um mm-hmm. it's a struggle sometimes it is an emotional and physical mm-hmm. struggle mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that's, it's so important that we, we speak about these things because it's almost expected at work that, you know, we, we have a, a new baby, we have all this stuff going on, yet we turn up and we have to be that sort of same robotic self. Um, and, you know, ever, anyone who's had small children or has ever experienced sleep deprivation, there's, <laughs> there's, a, there's a reason why it's a form of torture, right? It's really not. <laughs> it's, um,
1: uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, full on.
0: It is full on and everything else on top of that. So it's really important that we get to have an environment where we can voice this and say, hey, look, I got four hours sleep last night. I've got a baby. I'm not going to be much good. What are the most important things we need to get done today? Because, you know, (laughs) I need need to get those done. get out of here. Yeah. Just to be able to have those honest conversations and not have to pretend that everything's okay. Because mentally and physically, that's exhausting. So, yeah, no, I really appreciate you sharing that. And I know there'll be a lot of people listening who <laughs> could relate um, or ha- have been able to relate at some point.
1: <laughs> there seems like there's this thing with it I've found where existing parents kind of turn to me and laugh. <laughs> and <they're> like, yep. <laughs> yeah, and it's, It is a laughing at you. And it's it's an okay. They laugh at you, and I'm sure I'll do it to some other poor soul one day.
0: Exactly. But. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. people who haven't had kids are like, really, and then people who have kids are like, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, funny. oh that's cool. And I uh, guess what I'd like to do is give you a quick opportunity to um, share. You know, what, what are you working on at the moment? What would you like the listeners to know about you, about Caleb Roberts, or about what you're engaged in at the moment?
1: Uh, my biggest learning curve at the moment is I'm learning to I'm learning mergers and acquisitions to mm. bring a couple of businesses in under my partner's brand under her. Um, she has motorcycle wear, especially mm. um, jackets and things. So oh, we're cool. looking at several different lingerie companies to acquire because wow. there's something about lingerie and high-end motorcycle wear that's who actually go together really well. But as we're learning this, it's something new for us. It's a whole new mm. journey. So that's kind of what we're up to at the moment. Um, and it's where all of my spare time seems to be going.
0: <laughs> that's brilliant. So what's the what's the motorcycle brand? Um, where wear called? What's it's the brand? called
1: Queen Cherry Bomb.
0: Queen Cherry Bomb, cool.
1: It's um, She does bespoke and signature lines of jackets. She's got some streetwear there. And we're just working on expanding, building, scaling it. And we've officially gone international, which is great. We're in the US, the UK, New Zealand here. And then starting to getting to the point where we're getting on a sales team and everything else up and running. But it's uh, it's pretty cool.
0: Really cool. And where would we find Cherry
1: Bomb? She's online at queencherrybomb.com. Same on Facebook and Instagram. It's queencherrybombmotoware. Oh, very cool. very iconic awesome. redhead
0: <laughs> we'll check it out that's great and good luck with the acquisitions that sounds really exciting thank you sir um and I, I understand my partner also has a business which i i support her in in some different ways so yeah the uh the, the talk around the dinner table is often <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> so how was your day today honey well i have yeah. this problem let's work yeah. through it. and you end up in the whiteboard that's in the study and you still haven't eaten your dinner, and then the baby cries.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant! It's it's the life of, of <laughs> entrepreneurship, and yeah, I guess creation—it's creating cool Absolutely. things in the world, right?
1: And what a great well, motivation! Motivation, but experience share with your children,
0: so you mm-hmm. take them on this
1: journey of creating for self rather than going to an employer or doing something else. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can I can totally relate to that. My son, I have a. 19 year old and a seven year old and the 19 year old is also he's decided not to go to uni and he's he's going out on his own doing photography and film which is amazing and my seven year old yeah he just gets it he'll talk about the the business will talk about this and that and it's really nice like you say to take them on the journey and um you know whatever he wants to become is absolutely cool but uh, it's nice that he experiences something that's maybe just a bit different so uh, i hear it's awesome well, we're going to wrap it up, but it's been such a pleasure um, yeah, talking about it. And I love your insights and there are some absolute nuggets in this episode. So thank you so much for those, Caleb.
1: The pleasure is all mine, Ron. Thank you for having me.
0: Awesome. Well, we shall speak again soon. So thank you very much.
1: There you go.
0: See you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Humanizing the Workplace podcast. To find out more about how we can support your workplace culture, go to www.humanfactor.com.au or follow us on Instagram at human underscore factor underscore group. You can also find us on LinkedIn.